2: If you don't lie, you're going to go on a killing spree to sharpen the needle.
0: Confidence of a hero
2: or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain, which
1: could not be more professional. It's all one, I choose
0: to go my life too. that's okay. It means something, it means something. Let's use Protonic Reversal!
2: That's like a science thing, right?
0: All right, everybody. That's right, that's right, that's right. It is a science thing. This is a science place. It is a scientific fact. We are all up in your face. It is time for the one, the only... Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it. We're just going to get right to it. This... Week, which I guess we've been doing a lot of weeks, of late. So I don't necessarily know why I'm feeling the need to preface that statement. But uh, we got Greg from Deerhoof. Greg from Deerhoof is a band that has been around for a really long time. Uh, I know them from back in the day, and I have no idea why it's taking me this long to have Ray on because he is a delightful human being and a source of much knowledge and much joy to the world not in the christmas carol capacity of joy to the world but in the fact that he brings joy to the world and he's just uh he's someone that I've, I've had the pleasure of spending time with uh not just as a band but as a person and uh yeah this is gonna be really cool so looking forward to it so let's hear a song from one of the more recent dear earth record have come out. There's been a bunch of singles and things like that. Uh, Let's hear let's hear something off of Mountain Moves. This is I Will Spite Survive featuring Jen (laughs) Wozner. (laughs)
2: All right, yes. I went to make some tea, and now I got it. Wow. I've got blueberry tea. Oh, nice. Not just any tea. Blueberry tea obtained from an Italian gas station um, on the border with Alps in the distance. Wow. And uh, I got a box that included a variety of different fruit-flavored black teas, and I stood in a long line. It was worth it to me to to be able to bring this home. Those, and those uh, are, every few days, of, yeah.
0: Those are details worthy of a Tom Waits song. That's wonderful. <laughs> 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 uh, I
2: d- I d- That's what d- I'm all about, details.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're a detail oriented person. I appreciate that. That's uh,
2: right.
0: I, I, I presume you can hear everything okay, right?
2: Yeah, sounds perfect. How about you? Can you hear me? Can you hear details?
0: I can can hear all the details. I really appreciate the nuanced details of the story. Yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How you
0: been, Conan? Great, great, man. Uh, I was thinking about it, and uh, I think civilizations <laughs> have uh, risen and fell since the uh, <laughs> last time we talked, right? right. It's been a while. We've been
2: through several uh, several historical epochs yeah. since last time we talked.
0: Exactly, I think it was a pre cambrian area. San Francisco
2: area. has uh, busted, boomed, busted, and boomed. Yeah, man, wow. It's, uh, if you're in tech. Where do you live now? I'm Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, correct. Uh, and it, it, it's great. I mean, it's, it's it's about a lot of freedom. You know, there's, there's a lot of room. <laughs> and uh, it, it's just not uh, Techlandia, which is just nice as well.
2: Exactly. Yeah, no thanks.
0: So, uh, yeah, for, for those for the, for the listeners that are not aware, because I think at this point we'll just soft open it, into into doing the show. Uh, yeah. We're both uh, essentially barrier Area people. And, yeah, it's a different place than it used to be, a much different place than it used to be.
2: There's a whole new, I mean, there's a whole new, as far as I know, um, set of artists and bands that are um, appearing now that, you know, weren't there when we were there that I think are doing some really incredibly exciting things. Agreed. But a lot of the people from our... um, Circle, or circles, gone. Almost all of them. Few holdouts, um, very brave souls, and um, (laughs) I applaud their efforts to keep um, some kind of non-corporate, you know, hint um, alive. Yeah,
0: some non-corporate. It's very strange. I mean, line. I moved. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I moved to San Francisco directly after college. Lived there for twenty years, and and uh, <laughs> when I moved there, <laughs> when I decided to move there, I had never even visited. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. I was, okay. I was um, maybe maybe it was okay. It must have been summer, um, and maybe it was summer of '89, and I was in college, home from college, um, and.
0: That was Oberlin, I think, right? My
2: my yeah oh yeah how'd you know that dang? I, I think he told me once well, a long
0: time ago, and I I remember. Oh weird my details, god,
2: so. yeah, but I mean that would have been like twenty years ago. Yeah so. yeah yeah.
0: I remember weird stuff. Well,
2: I I apologize because I have no memory whatsoever of where you went to college, what's your birth sign. I'm you a,
0: know, I'm a man of mysteries, uh, so it's know, okay.
2: <laughs> I, I
0: burned the past for fuel. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Check this out. I'm I'm sitting there in my you know the house where I grew up. My brother is watching the World Series. I've got no interest whatsoever. But I suddenly hear this, Greg, come here. I'm like, what do I want to see the World Series for? But I come and check it out, and an earthquake is in progress. The game is being played in San Francisco. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And they're starting to show images of um, the Marina District on fire. <laughs> And it was right at sunset, um, and the sky looked so beautiful, and these flames, you know, just looked incredible, and the Marina District itself is, you know, rather charming, and I thought to myself, that's the place I want to go. That, that was, and so that's the moment wow. that I decided that I wanted to try and, after college, move to San Francisco. So I asked everybody I knew, everybody who was at college, who was from the Bay Area, Um, I consulted them and they're like, oh yeah, that's the place to be. (laughs) That's where it's cheaper, it's less corporate, um, there's more art and music going on. and it's kind of a magnet for creative people in general.
0: Yeah, because um, that was like mid-90s, right? I think it was about the same time I moved <laughs> it, was like 90- it was 1990,
2: 91. Yeah. Um, I moved in 91. And, yeah, um, a little of
0: creative, 91, of course. Yeah. And
2: then they were like, don't go to Los Angeles. That's the place that's really, <laughs> you know, business-oriented, super professional, very competitive and <laughs> cutthroat and kind of conservative by nature and more expensive. And it's just so funny now, because, you know, yeah. it's, I mean, it's completely reversed. And I live in yes. Los Angeles now. I don't want to say completely, because obviously here, there's still a lot of, um, you know, I think uh, rent is not as expensive as it is in San Francisco, but it's still, you know, way too much, considering what people are being paid for being baristas, <laughs> you know, well, well, sure. and graphic design, which is the only thing that... that um you know anybody's seems to be able to, you know the only career that anybody's able to manage to eke out, you know. But but from the um, overarching
0: principle of it being a good place to do art, you know, San Francisco mm-hmm. hard to believe, But San Francisco used to be a very <laughs> easy place to see, to do art at, and you know that's I know it's unthinkable, not the case anymore. I mean, like as you mentioned, the ones that are still around and doing it, you know, they're they're you gotta. Take your hat off because it's they're all the more dogged, (laughs) you know, just to just to be (laughs) able to do what they do. But I did have an epiphany, you know, personally, and uh, when I was in Los Angeles uh, recording the first Secret Friends record, I'm just like, wow, Mm -hmm. people actually care way more about music and art here than in SF, and it was it was a crazy epiphany for me. But yeah, and it's also you know Uh, there's more there's more space. I like 2015.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, somewhat. And, I mean, it, you know, it's still not uh, you know. It's maybe not like where it's some idealized
0: at. place, right? But it, but it's also yeah, just like the yeah. Bay Area became the focus. Went from being you know music and yeah. tech and arts and tech to just <laughs> tech. Like the art kind of went away, and or, or became more difficult to even do anything with And it. It's just it's a sad story that people are like, oh yeah, you know whatever that's happening all over, and it's like it is. Yes, <laughs> but it's very no, extreme. It in the is, but area. no, it,
2: it's centered there. It's centered there. Mark Zuckerberg owns an entire block on uh, I think Guerrero or Dolores or something, and uh, apparently has a uh, <laughs> a uh, SUV getaway car um, with a, an armed guard inside, oh, wow. um, idling twenty four hours a day um, <laughs> for years now. Um in case he needs to escape his his um compound um like a super villain Obviously, apple has become uh <laughs> you know a source of uh a large amount of uh uh techno trash uh you know <laughs> ending up in Cambodia or whatever you yeah. know a lot of uh uh, a lot of uh, faulty iPhone cords and stuff. Yeah. Or, you know, adapters that don't fit anymore. You know, so um, once... once uh, it w- I mean, it, it kind of always was like that, but it definitely seems like in the past few years it's gotten way worse. Yeah, but let's so worry about the plastic of-
0: straws. The plastic straws are definitely <laughs> yeah. the problem, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh. Yeah. Um and yeah, so it's it's like uh, I mean, I know i mean, yes, of course you're you're right, in those days when we were there in the nineties, it's not like tech didn't exist, no, but no, there were it was a lot there. of small startups yeah. um, and uh, you know almost all of them failed. It's now a monopoly <laughs> totally true, uh yeah. a, now a monopoly um atmosphere. Uh, in which <laughs> a company like Google, I met a guy once who lives in San Francisco, um, uh, who <laughs> was staying at my house at the time, staying with my housemate. And this guy, you know, I'm telling you, like, this guy seemed like the most with it, hippest, coolest most forward-looking, advanced, <laughs> incredibly friendly, open, you know, within five minutes of meeting him, I was hearing all about his, uh, you know, polyamorous, um, love life and, <laughs> and that he was about sure. to get married and, and he was revealing, you know, intimate details about, uh, you know, about his, his life and his fears and, and, um, you know, just immediately made me feel so comfortable. And I'm like, wow, this person seems really <laughs> evolved and cool. And um, <laughs> and then, like, a little later, I was chatting to him, and I was like, okay, so what do you do? And he's like, oh, I work for Google. I was like, wait, I thought you were a philosophy major in college. Right. That's what you told <laughs> right. me before. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, what I do is they pay me to sit around and write internal philosophy tracts Whoa. just for google employees to about the merits of capitalism and libertarianism and monopolies, and how capitalism is a naturally occurring phenomenon oh, wow. not a not a not a modern historical aberration, but it's yeah, a it's thing that concept. exists in nature, it comes from animals, and that it's right because of that and um, and that's what <laughs> that's what the greatest minds of our generation <laughs> you know oh, are being paid um, a lot yeah. of money to do not only paid but also. Um, have their ego stroked like this is the only way that a philosophy major can can get any kind of work related to what they did what they
0: yeah studied. yeah that's what um, if you want in to...
2: this in this society is if they if they, if they you know on some corporate payroll like uh, justifying justifying um the Elimination of all competition. Uh like that, you know, re- cetera, like,
0: it's like that residence album Eskimo where you know they start off, you know, having like the like the, the, the Inuit chants of, of their ancestors and they turn yeah. into jingles <laughs> nearby the, by the exactly. internet, right? It's a, <laughs> right on.
2: Yeah, early San Francisco stuff. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of exactly. which
0: And I think it's it's also it's hard for people that, that oh, I hate to be the guy, oh, if you weren't there you didn't know, but it is hard for people to understand <laughs> that it was a very vibrant, creative community. I mean, I I I saw a lot of those yeah. early Deerhuff shows, and you know, it was like me and twelve other people there, and it was you know like <laughs> you know an art space yeah. or like For somebody's garage yeah. or like you know whatever. Like people yep. don't even understand that. Like, yeah, it wasn't always the way it was, and and it it was kind of it was really cool kind of seeing you guys find your audience or your audience sort of find find you.
2: I mean, it took many, many years. But well, it wasn't uh, if, if we, exactly. yeah. Did, yeah, yeah. I mean, I. <coughs> sometimes people will ask me, like, you know, what was the secret? And uh, um, because I do feel like we're successful now. We 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 have stayed together. It's twenty five years later. Um, we get along. We tour. We make records. We're happy about it. We're excited about the next thing we're gonna do. Um, and um, and. Um, can pay our for rents um, <laughs> with our various music projects. The, most of which is just doing this band here, and um,
0: which for a lot of like, us is living the dream. <laughs> I mean, that's like all you ever you know. If you're it artist, is living
2: that's all the dream, and I wanted. feel yeah, I feel very grateful because I feel that this is not only living the dream, but it's like literally the dream that I always had when I was a kid, and I, I always just this is what i wanted and um and i'm really really happy to have it and i feel lucky um but um you know first of all <laughs> i am not complaining i um but the but it was you know i don't know maybe the first 7 or 8 years that we had the band everything we attempted lost money. Every recording, you know, every release, every tour. um, (laughs) Even local shows, I think. It cost more to uh, take two cabs, you know, over to the, because nobody had a car. So, you know, to, um, to take two taxis over to bring the bass amp and the drums. Um, you know, cost, and then back again probably took more money than than whatever you know the twelve people you mentioned. Um, you know, whatever <laughs> like, we got at the door. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like oh, here's your ten dollars. Uh, oh, yeah, but, great. Thank but you. But at the same time, it was like um, there was a neat feeling that um, <laughs> I don't know. It was something that the 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 venues that existed at that time and the booking agents it was this was a time before the venues had been taken over by you know
0: live nation various now, uh, permutations what is, yeah. of live nation <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly
2: exactly um and The It was no longer just a simulation. I mean, it was not yet just a simulation of interest in the musical underground, but it was actually, you know, participants in the scene, or, you know, there were actually so many scenes in the Bay Area, and that was one of the things that was cool about it. But participants in music, like, you know, members of bands and stuff were the booking agents, right. um, were the sound people, were the staff, the bartenders, etc. And everybody, there was, you know, it's a quite small city and there was definitely a feeling that kind of everybody knew each other more or less. Um, and and I always felt <laughs> very supported, even if it was 12 people. Yeah. That was more than I expected and because I didn't feel like we were... You know, we weren't on a track. Uh, we weren't hustling and trying to fit in anywhere. And I felt very encouraged in those years um, to be allowed to, to do exactly that. I didn't feel pressure to <laughs> um, streamline what we were doing or narrow what we were doing down to one specific um, <laughs> career track, which some other band had already proven to be successful. Um, So, you know, we didn't totally um, (laughs) fit into... um, I mean, scenes were very fluid, I think, in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. so I wouldn't say there were any hardened scenes, but, you know, I, I feel like we had a little bit in common with the... You know, there was a kind of big garage rock and and retro uh, yep. scene that I really related to a lot. Um, and then there was obviously a big noise scene mm-hmm. um, that was like, <laughs> um, you know, really a lot of very harsh, <laughs> you yeah. Know? Some some and of it and being... abrasive performances and costumes and just like Theater as far absurd. out as possible, super aggro. You <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> um, then there was like a kind of you know beginning of a indie rock scene um you know the word indie rock at that time meant something different <laughs> than it than it came to mean yeah, because it yeah. came to be a a specific like a genre in the record store which it wasn't then but it was a kind of a <laughs> ethos then mm-hmm. um maybe and um and yeah we kind of like <laughs> you know Related to a lot of those There was also a new music scene Classical music You know A kind of avant-garde thing Yeah Um, And uh, You know A free improv scene All of these things You know um, (laughs) The scene was small enough That the same venue might Be hosting Any of those kinds of music On any given Night of the week And uh, we always felt like You know (laughs) Like Like really appreciated like i think we, the members of dearheart at that time were extremely shy um including me um if somebody if podcasts had been invented at that time and somebody asked me to do a podcast i would have been like <laughs> like for a week you know trying to decide whether i had the nerve to to get on the phone with the person, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Um At the time, we were just very hermetic, and we were so concerned with kind of like <laughs> building our own <sighs> musical sound, and and like you know, and and figuring out what our kind of <laughs> lyrics were about, and and kind of like this. You know, sort of Deerhoof mythology and Deerhoof characters and stuff, and we were pretty obsessed with it. And we, we, we didn't really, you know, talk to anybody else about it. Um, we just would venture out and play these shows, yeah. and and um, the fact that we got any support at all, and that there were venues that wanted us back, and that there were bands that wanted us to open for them. <laughs> um was kind of and and actually eventually a label that wanted to release our music yeah. um there were several labels that released singles but there was a um you know Kill Rock Stars was, yeah. uh, was a label that that eventually did an album and they did 3 uh albums or we we had released 3 albums before any of them <laughs> before we ever released anything that didn't lose money, and that's saying a lot. What a different climate. Right. You, know, nowadays, you, you have a
0: chance to develop, which is something that <laughs> yeah. a lot of bands, it's like you know, you, exactly. you, you get three seconds the, the second you start <laughs> off, and if you don't nail it immediately, then you're done. And, yeah, uh, there's
2: somebody standing in line behind you. you yeah, know, exactly. And five others. Kind of the the expected role you know better than you did
0: well and it's interesting and I I don't want to break up your flow uh, too much but it it was one thing also to point out is because there was no social media at the time again coming at it initially uh, as a total outsider to Deerhoof you guys clearly had a mythos and sort of a world building that happened yeah. within the band that that was uh that was cool. Like it, it was sort of like, oh, that's different. That's that's very different. Yeah. But it, it's it was also so different because you couldn't just look on somebody's Facebook or Twitter and see what their thoughts are and something. You know, that wasn't a exactly. thing you could do. Like it's, if you weren't
1: yeah, talking right. to
0: someone at you're a right. show, you would never know necessarily even what that person's voice sounded like. That's
1: and uh,
0: part of that kind of led to you the early, early Deerhoof and what, you know, and again, I'm even talking about, uh, like when Rob
2: was still Mm. playing with you. That's right. Yeah. Good memory. I just saw Rob in Berlin. We were just on tour in (laughs) and it had been years since I've seen him. And, uh, Oh my God. Like, um, how's he doing? I really good. Um, um, he's, he decided to relocate there at least for a while. He's doing just music. Um common King Eider is his current act and uh, and uh somehow either I or Satomi or both had gotten a hold of him and saying, Hey, we're <laughs> we're coming on tour. Do you want to come to this show? And we put him on the list and and uh, you know, it's like a festival. So it was like all day people right, are milling around mm-hmm. and he yeah. shows up and I was like <laughs> I mean it was always this way with him, but, but that kind of feeling where <laughs> Years later, you just pick up exactly yeah. where you left off and it was like neither of us had aged at all and um and our sense of humor <laughs> was exactly the same right and uh so so th- and then there was a um a Berlin radio station that needed to do a Deerhoof interview um a video interview that that ended up uh on youtube and you could see it um and uh, instead, instead of me doing it with one of my uh, actual current bandmates, I was like, Rob!
0: You brought Rob <laughs> on? That's awesome. <laughs>
2: yeah, it was me and Rob doing the Deer interview, and it Huff, was really awesome. funny, because the interviewer was so confused. You know, they had like, no idea. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's been like... Yeah.
2: No, I mean, they didn't know. I mean, they also didn't know who I was, and no reason they should. It's just like... <laughs> right. They were just there doing their sort of, like, festival due diligence or yeah. whatever, just interviewing oh, them. Right. But, uh, yeah, we had such a great time And it was And uh, it meant so much to me That he watched the show And that he liked it And felt proud, you know Of us for what we were still doing And um, uh, Still felt A lot of the same Energy, you know That that we had kind of Hatched, you know, together Um <clears throat> Um that, that was very much still our style, you know, when we were on stage. And, you know, I didn't know whether he would feel that way or not. But, you know, that's what he told me after the show, and it was very touching to me.
0: It, and it is different to get that kind of feedback from people with that context and that deep history. And it's <laughs> not that you—and yeah. not to denigrate, you know, the, the current friends or people that you know that you, you no. respect and, and love now, but to have someone that yeah. has just— been that long with it and, and knows exactly where you came from i mean that that is a heavy thing heavy and cool at the same time kind yeah. of thing
2: i mean specifically it's not just that it was someone who's known it a long time but it was someone, someone who's in it specifically who quit the band who was in it in it but quit yeah, in other words, he left <laughs> something about the band was not entirely satisfying with this person, so there's right. always the the that psychological feeling I just saw um Chris Cohen um perform here in l a just a few days ago oh, nice, nice. Um, and I have a similar feeling with him because he's another person who quit host mm-hmm. and um so <laughs> you know there's like um an interpersonal kind of you know, just just the obvious thing. Like, okay, you you ask yourself, like, <laughs> you know, well, we weren't good enough for them, you know. Right, And then right, they go off and right. form their solo acts and stuff. And I'm like, well, what what did we do that wasn't enough? And and uh, you know, that question mark hovers over your relationship over the years. And and so when when either one of them seems to approve of what Deerhoof is still doing, and uh, approve of our <laughs> Live versions of songs that they, you know, were there to to help write, or you know, that they helped record, or that they had strong opinions on at the time. Um, you know, if they approve of it, it's just like it feels like such a relief. You know,
1: yeah,
0: and um, it's and it's um, and it's, and it's a, it's a yeah. hard it's it's experience and it's a relationship that's very unique,
2: <laughs> very yeah, unique exactly. indeed. Right, nobody else can can say that. Precisely And I was in the band With Chris too uh, We had a band Called The Curtains, Curtains. That was mostly yeah. His music And, yep, I and um, for whatever reason I don't <laughs> remember If I quit Or he just You know um, I forget exactly How it happened But but same idea Like I not only approve Of his uh, The way his music Has developed um, But like
1: um, You were part of it You know bit, It helped
2: yeah. him I've helped him Mix it And Um and uh really feel like it's just about the most beautiful, uh, you know, um, current, um, you know, group playing in any style. Um, it just, uh, I mean, it, it makes me weep every single time, you know, I see them play. I really can't believe the the level that it's on. It's hard to explain, but just the... Emotion that's coming from the music And the The, the human um, Element Is very strong in this band <laughs> um, And uh, And yeah The pride that I feel That that he Took it upon himself To take the lead
0: Yeah to make that and lead to,
2: You yeah. know to, to be the lead singer The front person Play guitar solos completely write the songs himself um, and just, you know, be the, be the motivating force instead of just being in the band. But like, it's different. Be, be the, yeah. Yeah. It's different. It's different. I'm very proud
0: of them. There, there's diff- there's different, there's different stakes to it. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it's may not seem that different to the people on the outside, but it's a lot, <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> different on the inside. It's, it's yeah. very lonely sometimes. <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly, and you really do, I mean, Chris and I have this conversation sometimes, um, he lives here in Los Angeles, so I'm able to to chat to him more um, than with, like, Rob, who's, like, been really far away for a long time, um, <laughs> it's not, you know, like, I think we both feel grateful and lucky that we're still in bands and that we play music and that we get to do it, and that we haven't dropped it and we've been able to not have to drop it but you know (laughs) there. i mean (laughs) you know like some of the records that we made together uh only you know when he was in the band it was a four piece and only four people know what it was like (laughs) you know what it felt like and and how we did or did not get along at the time and and how much, you know, of, of just kind of like personal lives or social lives um, or relationships we were willing to sacrifice um, in order to like, (laughs) you know, make the album, whatever one it was, um, you know, be, you know, just whatever it was that we thought it needed to be, you know, fully, developed, fully finished, you know. I mean, it's hard to say even good. I mean, we couldn't define good because we hadn't made the album before, so and we didn't yeah, have we any no help, no producer, the yeah. label label was totally hands-off, no manager. I mean, it was just, it was only us just trying to figure out, is this good enough? Is this right? And be like, no, let's do this again, or whatever. And you know, like, he and I share this, this kind of feeling that, that uh, you know, among the mixed in with the you know pride with how things turned out and feeling like oh you know it's like your baby you know what you it's like what we had instead of babies um
1: <laughs> right
2: there's also uh, there's think also regret you know <laughs> yeah yeah exactly there's regret like i don't really know if it was worth it you know um the 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 amount that we hurt each other along the way you know the turmoil of making it um and guilt you know i think that chris and i I've never had this conversation with anyone else other than him, Um, a feeling of actual guilt and feeling responsible, (laughs) partly, for the current, um, at least not responsible, but at least having contributed to the the current model (laughs) for bands now is that (laughs) a label almost always expects the bands who already have to, made the record yeah, to do everything on their own yes. budget mm-hmm. to do yeah. everything yourself. Yeah. And sure. Yeah. We'll be happy to like pay some money and get free money, you know, well to, to pay a little bit of money to, to hire a publicist and manufacture, you don't even have to manufacture things anymore because nothing sells. So just yeah, sure, we'll be happy to post it to Spotify or whatever for you <laughs> right, and um, send out and, whatever and, copies. And hire people. a publicist, right. <laughs> um, but 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 there's not the. Uh, I mean, that's the way we always worked. Was we'll just yeah, make the, <laughs> the
1: yeah.
2: record on, on no budget, all by ourselves, um, because that's what we could afford was zero. Um, and instead, you know, we just spent <laughs> all of our time on it. Right, Lo-Fi um, wasn't necessarily um, so an aesthetic, aesthetic choice,
0: uh, choice, it was... Uh, yeah, right. Was the, the only yeah, I,
2: <laughs> so, I mean, I remember in the, in the really early days, before Chris even joined, in the 90s, it was always this, you know, in the era of, like, nirvana and, and, and stuff, there was always these, these questions of, like, creative control, and selling mm-hmm. out. If yeah. you got onto a major label, did that mean that the major did that mean that the major label was going to start telling you what to do? Right. <laughs> and I was always like, "Oh my god, I would kill to have a label that would tell me what to do. <laughs> I can't stand the loneliness of because you would be in the bubble to figure it all out myself. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's and that's so,
0: another thing that it's, it's difficult to describe. To yeah. people that don't have that uh, that context, you know, coming mm. from the foreign land that is the past, is that that was a thing? <laughs> the idea that like, oh yeah, you're selling out your principles. <laughs> and you are less of an artist if you if you take this money and yeah. do this thing. Which now exactly. it's like what? What is it? Huh? What are you talking about? Like it's I mean,
2: now you'd be such a fool not to Right. Um, <laughs> exactly. and totally And in fact I mean, I think everyone who's in music, I mean I don't know if everyone who listens to your podcast is like a musician or maybe they're just fans, but there's a lot of musicians but are a lot known. of just
0: regular yeah, there's regular fans as well.
2: So. Just regular but, <laughs> regular <laughs> civilians. Yeah, but I mean even civilians. even the listeners I think kind of know that um <laughs> yeah, the 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 most likely way to earn a living as a musician is through licensing. So in other words, if your song could ever get picked up for a TV show Mm -hmm. or, you know, if you really hit the jackpot, it's it's an advertisement. Um, And that that's... (laughs) It's it's almost impossible to make money any other way. Um, Of course, it's almost... Impossible to make money that it's, way. Yeah, it's, it's still hard to make money <laughs> don't that don't way. Make it sound like that. Some like, oh, sure, you know, <laughs> it's real easy. <laughs> I'll just do that. To, yeah. <laughs> um, this, you know, Chevron commercial or whatever. But yeah. uh, no, um, you know, none of the options are are actually likely. But that's the one that pays the most.
0: Still. Well, and and there was ethical concerns with that as well. Like if you know, if you recall back in you know <laughs> when we when we were doing the Iraq War. That uh-huh, is still going yeah. on uh, when it was right. still fresh. Trans Am got <laughs> offered a, a, a pretty respectable <laughs> amount of money to to do an ad for I think an SUV or something, right? And they right. turned it down because they were like, "No, you know, yep. we, we, this is this is why we're this is why children are dying right now <laughs> yeah. is, is for because exactly. we're messing around exactly. with SUVs instead of doing something sustainable." I'm
2: proud to say I'm proud to say that the the only three ads that Deerhoof has ever said yes to. And we've been asked by some pretty large companies <laughs> to do what would have been very high-profile ads. Um, we've we said yes to a British um, kids' fruit juice concentrate <laughs> company. Nice, <laughs> we said yes to an online ad for a... Um, a French um bikini company that we went and made sure that they didn't do uh, sweatshop labor. And lastly an Italian lingerie company and um those that's are great. All we've
0: done. <laughs> that all sounds
2: awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I support yeah. All of these things. <laughs> and of course, yeah, I mean it's like, yeah, we made like a few hundred dollars or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it those weren't very big. They were like online ads or something. You're not that buying
0: a house like with a that week. kind of money.
2: <laughs> Hey. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I just want to say,, um, maybe this is, a, this is an opportune pause in our um incredibly dense conversation to say that this blueberry tea that <laughs> I've been sipping on whenever you talk is incredibly delicious. I just opened it. Oh good, and you you, you right before you called, and it really does taste like blueberries, and it's it's really amazing.
0: It was a bit of experience for you to get it, so it's nice that it can be an experience for you as the thing that it's supposed to be as well,
2: <laughs> and an experience for you to hear it described. Yes, yeah, and the taste sensations that happen inside my mouth. Yeah. So and the uh, the tea stimulation,
1: is,
0: right? Yes, <laughs> a, a lot of people, you know, they, when they when they when they think of deer Health <laughs> and the the incredible. Uh, Discography that you guys guys have put together, like Satomi is such a a (laughs) vital part of it. And if I remember right, like when you Mm. she joined the band, like about a like a month after she like arrived in America or something, (laughs) right? Uh, Originally, it was like really
2: soon. A week, a week after she (laughs) (laughs) arrived. And uh, we were actually just talking about it with somebody. Ten days later, we were on our first tour. <laughs> wow! So she <laughs> she'd been in the U.S. for one week, and uh, through uh, another, you know, mutual friends through through San Francisco, um, band called Carolina, yeah, an you, indescribable you. band. Um, <clears throat> um, we were put in touch with each other, and she heard our first single, which was on Kill Rock Stars. We we had submitted to Kill Rock Stars a um, cassette tape um, that contained a full length album that we'd <laughs> recorded and were completely convinced was just like such an awesome um, full length <laughs> And they wrote right. back and like, Great, uh, you guys sound great. Why don't we do a, a 45, you know? <laughs> right, right. We were like, Oh. So then we tried to. Do you
0: think uh, you made Sgt. <laughs> Pepper's and they're uh, like, Ah, eh, no. Yeah. This isn't quite what you think it is, exactly. but it's good. No, <laughs>
2: it's just going to be only Penny Lane and Strawberry peals, <laughs> Right, which whatever. is still good. So what, you we, know? so what we did was we made the 7-inch the as long as possible on each side, um, you know, as long as Hey Jude or whatever, like it's about 7 minutes, um, had it play on 33, and then we also <laughs> put... Separate songs In the left speaker And the right speaker oh, So you wow. had to use The balance knob To uh, <laughs> You know Mix them in mono And then you had to use The balance knob To choose which song You were going to listen to We were trying to cram As much uh, of this record Onto this seven inch As we could And of course It completely failed I mean the, the When you turn the Balance knob to the left um, You could still hear The other song And it, it You know It was just chaos I mean It, it didn't it didn't work at all, and um, I remember. You know, we went to the mastering appointment, and you know, an incredibly conservative, you know, professional man was there. Maybe you remember George Horn? I mean, he oh, was kind yeah. of the game in town in those days. Yeah, rhythm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, they did. And yeah. uh, uh, you know, he did mastered, you know, just countless albums over the decades. Um, many of them, you know, classic, very famous records. Um,
0: but more of a traditional and, uh, dude.
2: Um, no, I, mean, I mean, you know, that was, it's was he, just incredibly, just such a curmudgeon, and just he fantasy, heard our right? music he was, uh, and just thought it was horrible, and and uh, you know, but just would not offer the slightest um, hint of enthusiasm or or <laughs> solutions to what we felt might be <laughs> problems with the audio <laughs> that we'd mixed on our four-track machine. Um, and uh, so we thought that maybe the way to, to solve this would be to have him, as the, the record was being cut on the lathe, um, that he would improvise randomly with the EQ settings and um, moved the EQ knobs around it while the while the record was being cut, so you act, you can actually hear George Horn's improvisations on oh, wow. on the on the EQ <laughs> on the record. And then at the very end, there was an overdub that we didn't have enough um, tracks to be able to um, <laughs> put on the song. So Rob went over to the lathe at the end. Um, as a, as the last song was fading out, and screamed into the into the lathe, um, and sang this melody that you can just you really turn it up. You can just barely hear him, you know, s- s- you know, singing, um, you know, like he he sang loud enough to actually vibrate the uh, the needle or whatever. Wow. <laughs> anyway, so tell me, you heard this, this, you know, whatever. I mean, this, you know, somewhat you know sort of you know bit off more than we could chew you know yeah um, meanwhile
0: george hornson there being like hey i Master creed's clearwater revival and charles mingus i don't know what these guys are up to <laughs>
2: exactly exactly <laughs> and maybe that's what satomi expecting to hear when um when this mutual friend is is playing oh there's a san francisco band that's looking for a singer and maybe she expected to hear, you know, Proud Mary or something, but, so, <laughs> you know, or, or Down on the Corner or whatever it's right, called. Right, uh, right. Um, um, instead, she heard this 7 inch with both, both songs playing at the same time because, uh, you know, the, there was no volume knob on that. I mean, there was no balance knob on that stereo. And she, she you know, it just sounded like total noise. Yeah. And she, her reaction was, I, I, sure, I'll join this band. I don't think there's any way that I could make this any worse, you know, <laughs> even though I've never been in any band and I've got no experience at all. Yeah, like, yeah. this could be a neat way to make some friends, you know. Right, I've just right. arrived in a new country, and and, uh, and she came over to our house. We were practicing in our kitchen in Potrero Hill at the time. Um, we couldn't afford a practice space, so Rob was playing through a tiny practice amp, a guitar practice amp, and I was playing um, drums with, like, chopsticks and stuff and just fingers so as not to bother the neighbors. (laughs) We had a German shepherd named Sophie who would get really, you know, excited and sort of freaked out every time we'd start playing. (laughs) And actually, Rob's pick, instead of using a normal pick on the bass, um, he started using um, Sophie's chew toy, which was this smoked... Cow hoof, um, you know, that sort of fit over like two, two of his fingers. <laughs> and he Amazing. was playing the bass with this thing. Yeah, I mean, um, and that Satomi came over. I mean, Satomi came over. She had talked to Rob on the phone, um, who was telling her the address and, like, hey, why don't you come over at this time? Um, and from his voice, she had thought that he was a woman he was very excited and speaking in a high voice and she thought it was a woman and and um she was like cool i'm going to have some you know girlfriends that i can meet um and this will be neat to have some people to hang with and then she arrives <laughs> and it's you know it's the two of us and um and our dog and uh
0: and the chew toy pick
2: she was a little surprised but but like so totally unfazed to like and we started playing and just I mean, just instantly. Um it it was exactly what Rob and I were missing in in our music, which was <laughs> you know <laughs> like we played in a kind of overwrought style and and a little over expressive or something and and um really exaggerated. Um and it was very hard for us to sing at the same time we were playing because we right. were like sort of convulsing and stuff, and uh, which is why we were looking for a singer. And she sang in the most kind of detached, um, <laughs> unemotional. Um, of course, it has an emotion, but there's no overt expression um, in this incredibly calm. No matter what we were doing, she had no reaction at all. It was completely calm, and it was just we just felt like it was perfect and and uh, well it grounded I it feel in a certain it.
0: way. Yeah, I mean exactly. Yeah. You know, like and it's, balanced it. If she if she had decided to do like you know the <laughs> thousand notes per minute kind of singing, that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> that that would have been yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, and over the years, I mean. Um, obviously she's become a professional musician. she taught herself to play the bass um has been you know has become a very um um you know the the person in our band who engages the audience the most um you know the front person the least shy um um and the the one who's dancing um and is you know singing everything um and you know, become a songwriter, et cetera, um, and it's like, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean the regret I was talking about before, and like, or the guilt, or the feeling like, wow, I, I don't really know if making all those records was necessarily worth it, <laughs> you know. But it's like at the same time, wow, you know, like we had nothing and now we have, yeah. Um, the, a much-coveted um, and much-appreciated um, life thing, which is a, a music career, you know? Well, and and, and you we kind of can't believe we still have it.
0: And and you put something into the world that made it better yeah. than it was when you came in
2: and, <laughs> you know, provided some joy and enjoyment for people. Right? Yeah, 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 right on.
0: And it started off being, you know, kind of coming from almost more... Not that you guys were improv, <laughs> but having more of a... Mm. You know, feeling more improvisational, uh, and yep, then then you, then you sort of sort of change it up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, right around like holy pause or so, like right after that, like it's, <laughs> it kind of seemed like you.
2: Good memory, Conan. Wow.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I like I said, ask me, you know, where I put my <laughs> uh, shoes at. I won't be able to tell you, but this stuff I remember.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. We we. And it was a very neat... That's exactly what you and I are saying about a supportive scene yep. in the Bay Area in those years, is that we felt precisely that. It still exists, actually. I, I don't, I don't want to just romanticize the past. It exists, but only in the underground. Yeah, yeah. It exists in, in DIY spaces and basement shows and backyard shows and stuff, um, where a band that is new... <laughs> like could could do what I kind of think we did, which is start by really not knowing what we were doing and not trying <laughs> to too quickly determine it like, we were not trying to settle on something really quick right. and, and get our act together and like <laughs> figure out how to brand ourselves like we took many years where we where we Kind of, I don't know, figured out how to play with each other just from sheer intuition and just from sheer hours put in doing it without any calculation. We never talked about music. I mean, (laughs) Rob and I actually, (laughs) we would occasionally attempt to talk about music, but we hated each other's taste so much (laughs) that (laughs) the conversation would always break down instantly. Um, So he'd be over in his room listening to... uh, um, I remember the, the one when he came home one day and he had just bought the uh, Pink Floyd live album, Pulse, mm-hmm. that had a little blinking LED on it. I was like, Rob, wow, give me a break. I don't want to hear that Pink Floyd stuff. You know, live
1: version? Right, If yeah. there's
2: anything worse, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's these, like, cheesy, you know, reverb-laden live versions of the same song. Yeah, same song, um, but infinitely worse. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, of course, I was over there... Uh, listening to, like, the latest uh, Rolling Stones record, which I guess was Voodoo Lounge at the time. And oh, wow, He was yeah. like, Greg, will you quit listening at Voodoo Lounge? Was, the music is horrible, you know? And, uh, you know, so we couldn't stand each other's taste. Um, and so it was definitely not any kind of calculation. We didn't find each other from an ad in the personal section or whatever. I mean... A flyer um, at Guitar Center. <laughs> <laughs> Guitar Center itself is another thing. That, I was just
1: going to say, I don't even
0: remember if Guitar the, Center was even around there yeah. Yeah. The,
2: the, uh, But you guys were allowed a chance to... I don't the know if you realize to, that, that Guitar Center is is now owned by... Um, a finance group called Bain Capital.
0: Uh, And Bain Capital is
2: exactly, Mitt Romney. And I think once Mitt Romney took this over, I think there's something like, last time we looked it up, sometimes on tour, (laughs) me and my bandmates will look this stuff up just
0: for a lap. I think they were three billion dollars in the hole. <laughs> wow. Well I was I, I I don't want to distract too much from where we're at, which, which is good, but we were literally just talking hmm. about how the the whole model for guitar center, you wonder who it's for really. Because of course they're gonna be musicians <laughs> that are, you know, oh I'm in town yeah. and I need to buy strings and and you know, whatever, a new cable, right. this and that. But yeah. the kind of stuff they sell oh. is sort of like is it for you know, parents to like ah, uh, you know, well, kid wants to get it. a drum set. You know, there's going to be always that exactly.
2: And but. the employee's job is to pressure that parent yeah. um, to get the most expensive into, into getting basketball. a more expensive. Well, if you're if you're really serious about you know having your kid do it, you know, you really got to get this more expensive guitar. If you
0: really want to display your love, you should put more money into it <laughs> because that means more love.
2: <laughs> yeah. No it was a harsh model to begin with, for sure.
0: but getting back to where you're at, I mean, what what's interesting mm. is is that when you talk about you guys kind of learning to be uh, deer hoof mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. And, and learning to play together, you were able to do that in an environment that pr- was um, supportive and not That's right. and and there was support instead of instant judgment, necessarily, which isn't to say <laughs> that people wouldn't get judgy. but I mean, I think I think things just there's such snap judgment on everything now. Like I feel that personally, I like to wait a little bit to even, like, form an opinion about uh, newer bands now, because I feel like I could be wrong, you know? I've been wrong all the time.
2: Yes. I mean, to me, of course, I mean, there really isn't right or wrong, but, but, you know what I think it is sometimes, and actually, I'm going to (laughs) struggle with how to put this into words, um...
0: I do it all the time. I made made a show of it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's not even just quick to judge whether you like it. It's that that, that deciding whether one likes it sometimes feels like that's not even the game anymore. The game is to figure out whether something (laughs) is going to be something that everyone else
1: likes. In other words, you're
2: trying to guess whether something is going to succeed. Um, rather than having feelings about whether you like it. And, I, I mean, obviously I feel that <laughs> the reason this has been on my mind lately is, of course, the place where this happens in the most <laughs> brutal and, um, you know, potentially wor- world-destroying um, way is when it comes to uh, elections. And with elections, it's this feeling of, like, it's not... The question None, no one... Not no one but if you if you read dominant news um, or the press the the question is never <laughs> you know which candidate will um, you know make uh, will increase the likelihood of of a happier life or a life with more rights or will mitigate the the you know the disasters that are looming over us um, the most it's a question of who is most likely to win yep who is most electable who do we think everyone else is voting for yeah. how can we how can we pressure you to not vote what you feel or vote the issues you agree with, but vote um, um the way we're going to help you assume everyone else is voting. Um,
0: armchair and prognostication uh, and sort of
2: shit <laughs> yeah.
0: rather than actual, you know, real yeah. palpable so results. exactly.
2: That, that's a good way of putting it, armchair prognostication. So sometimes I feel like that's what happens with the judgment of music. It's not even a question of whether it's good. It's a question of wh- armchair prognostication of whether it is successful. And that becomes the definition of good, um, both from... Um, um you know the music press um side angle um and the you know the the platforms angle spotify playlists etc um or you know sudden um stars that appear um as a um viral sensation or whatever but also um (laughs) yeah i don't know with uh with uh, Well, I shouldn't. I shouldn't put uh, thoughts in anyone's mind or words in anyone's mind. No, no. But, but what you're but talking it did, about, it did yeah. feel. It did. It did feel at that time that there was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, put it this way. I don't blame anybody for thinking that way because, frankly, everybody's struggling, and everybody. Yeah. Most of my friends, of course, are artists or musicians here in LA and they're all having to hustle enormously and they all have three jobs and that what few moments are left over, um, in their day, they attempt to (laughs) devote to, um, trying to figure out what their music is or what their art is. And And this increasingly um,
0: changing environment where the rules change almost constantly.
2: Exactly. (laughs) And so you, you're kind of, it's like compulsory that you have to be caught up with that and um and the social media um, a- as a musician, social media is compulsory and feels and it ends up taking up a lot of time um, where uh <laughs> um, there- there's not a um patience um there's no chance to make mistakes um there's no <laughs> i don't want to say no but um i just would like to express my gratitude for the fact that <laughs> we had sh- a chance to find our footing and figure out right. our own language and you know
0: you started um, in a different environment where really there was that support that. rather than yeah. than that, that in the, you know but you there. know
2: it's like we we tour all over the world and and um you know i got to say when it's like we don't really play huge places we're still playing you know kind of small Small or occasionally medium sized clubs, depending on which city it is, and sometimes we play you know in a smaller town or something, and you'll realize <laughs> in that local place, a lot of that same support is happening and, and yeah. everybody shows up okay. to the show they 're all friends with each other, right. they 're all in bands, and they they rehearse over at the same place and and uh it's not like that's disappeared as much as um there are forces trying to <laughs> replace trying to that with something yeah. <laughs> more streamlined and, and monopolized and winner take all or whatever. But in reality, you know, human beings, I mean, they're, they're still there doing it. And I get so inspired. I mean, totally. a trip that we just, we just played a show in the uh, Western Mass like a couple of months ago awesome. and uh, I was just like blown away. I mean, um, people are like, oh man, rent here is really cheap and and we are—we're all in bands, and and uh, <laughs> we—we've kind of like formed a little cooperative community, and like there's a couple carpenters here, and we we're like building out this building that we um, obtained, um, yeah, and like some tr- turning it into artist studios and rehearsal spaces, and like pop up like nail salons, and and um <laughs> we make our own clothes, and and. Uh, and we all come out to each other's shows all the time, and um we really like Deer Hoof, and you know we came to your show, I'm just like, "Whoa, you know it's not like, all they, bought they, out by live people Asian, are, like you know? mind blowing <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and it's like you you feel like okay, if it's some kind of you know apocalypse comes, whether it's um climate related or or uh, war related or zombies or something, you know whatever it's going to be um sometimes I feel like I see communities like this so strong, so banded together, so, so willing to help their neighbors. Um, those are the ones that are going to survive the future better than, you know, um, anything you, you see discussed in the mainstream. They, this is the, they're creating something, they're building the future, you know, um, and in many cases, they're young um or mostly young, kind of intergenerational, but mostly young and I just felt so inspired it really made me feel very hopeful and i you know you feel it sometimes in these underground music scenes, yeah. I'm sure you know it exists in all kinds of areas of life, but that's what I see because I'm a touring musician absolutely and, and it's like really amazing yeah i've i've
0: i've I've noticed the same thing, and i've I've found that to be mm. very heartening when you maybe get down a little bit on things being overtly commodified and there being just this replacement of, you know, not that the gatekeepers are gone. It's just, Oh, there's just different Mm -hmm. gatekeepers now that will allow certain things in or out. And then you find these (laughs) homogenous iconoclastic little communities that uh, like you know, our little bubbles that are just awesome. (laughs) And then you just remember that, you know, there are these self-imposed limits that people put on themselves and it's, it's quite powerful. Really?
2: Yeah, it it is amazing. And just every incentive and every pressure is against them doing that. And yet something inside, you know, just won't, (laughs) just refuses to buy in, you know? It's great. Yeah, it's so awesome.
0: Yeah. So, and uh, and that's, you know, that's... (laughs) boy, we could do a whole series of shows just about that. <laughs> Greg and right Conan on. highlight these separate communities like all around the world. <laughs> I'd be like Anthony yeah. Bourdain, but we'll just go to like
2: yeah, exactly. DIY spaces. For, for music scenes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: but, yeah. I mean, and, and something that, on, on the other side of it, that I've talked to other people on the show over the years is that there's this idea that, oh, these tools have... Lower the barrier of entry for people to be able to get their music heard by people, and yes that's true, but also right. that now because there's just so much of everything, like there's so much more great stuff but there's so much more <laughs> terrible stuff and so much more <laughs> mediocre stuff that you have these services that have like, yeah, they set themselves up as they're they're the new people that will decide what lets in, what gets let in and what let out. Oftentimes taking, yeah. you know, what little resources there is for the artist mm. along the way mm-hmm. and of course I'm specifically talking about Spotify now if we're not being <laughs> if I'm not being clear right
2: enough. <laughs> No 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 you're being clear
0: But but it's it's the, the Walmart of music all over again and it uh, it's it's it can be maddening especially if you aren't already established I know I've heard a lot it's, of well, It's it's in Walmart it's not in Walmart yeah, because Walmart
2: <laughs> if you make something if you whatever, you manufacture a thing, whatever, are, what are they, where they sell? Walmart, you know, they sell, you know, a sweater or something. They buy your sweater. Right. Spotify doesn't buy your song. Nope. It's like commission. Basically, it's like a, it's like a, what do you call One of those confinement stores. I mean, that, it's yeah, more like that's, that, that. That's a than better like analogy, Walmart. right. You only get paid anything if it, if your song gets a play and what you get is, um, yeah, a fraction, a tiny fraction of a cent. A pittance, um, as they say. <laughs> No, but it's less than a pittance. I mean, it's not a pittance. A, a pittance of, would be like would be like five cents per play. But right. no, we're talking like a ten-thousandth of a cent yeah, it's, per I, play.
0: I, I still remember the first time I was like, oh, we got, got 20,000 plays. What does that amount to? It's like, oh, it's 20 bucks. <laughs> All right. Wow. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> put a down <laughs> payment on that house. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. And so, yeah, uh, and so... Um, yeah, uh, and so what it means is that no what it replaced was um whatever i mean what it replaced was a, a system of of record labels that um <laughs> that invested money into um into the creation of the work now that <laughs> the work is still there in fact it's glutted um there's more work yeah, than ever uh, but isn't there? but yeah. no nothing no money is being given to make it everyone is just yep. expected automatically to make it on their own budget with the, on their own time um and so that's the guilt that i think that sometimes chris and i feel like wow did we have something to do with enabling that change, you know, because that's exactly the way we did it because we had no budget and we had no investors or whatever. We had to Kill Rock stars willing to put it out, but only because the budget was zero. They didn't um, have to send us to a recording studio and right. pay thousands of dollars, et cetera. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's like um, there's always that, there's always that double-edged thing with us Um, of, like, you know, we want to, if we can, um, you know, provide some kind of how-to of, like, well, if you need to do things really cheaply, (laughs) if you need to tour cheaply, this is how you do it. Mm -hmm. If you need to record cheaply, this is how you can do it. This is how you can do stuff yourself. Um, You know, whatever, just... uh, treating it as though it's like, you know, home crafts or, or whatever. That's our homemade way of making music and homemade way of setting up our band and doing our tours and stuff. Um, and at the same time that we feel, like, proud that we figured out how to do that and really happy to share, like, any <laughs> pointers that we've, you know, figured out over the years um, or to debunk any, um, you know, maybe myths about what, what people say you need. Um, you need to have a tour manager, you need mm, to have a manager, right, right. you need to to have a roadie, or, you know, you need to have this brand of guitar, or, you know, um, cymbals, or whatever. Um, uh, at the same time, it's like, <laughs> I also want to battle for the right of artists to... Be paid for the work that they do, rather than just assume that um, it doesn't deserve it, and that the arts in general and music specifically, are just some kind of <laughs> you know extra credit, you know, bonus round, you know, decoration to life, um, that if we had to cut it, that it would be no big deal, you know, and that it's not really it's not really that valuable. And it needn't be grieved if, if, uh, if it disappeared. Which obviously, you know, history shows is completely untrue. I mean, you know, music has existed since the beginning of time all across the globe. And I mean, it, it, uh, unlike capitalism, like that guy was talking about, <laughs> for right, Google, exactly, yeah. I can actually <laughs> say about music, yes, even the animals, you know, uh, many of them engage in, in what, you know, Unmistakably is musical activity you know, and uh, it's something very deep a uh, deep um, <laughs> a deep way of feeling and of exercising and practicing and expressing and communicating and organizing one's thoughts and Honoring one's dreams. I mean, all this stuff, um, sharing um, one's unconscious with one's community. I mean, all the, all the, the sort of infinite number of purposes that music has ever been put to. <laughs> you know, it it does it does do all those things, and it's a deep um, drive to do it, and. Um, no, so if somebody's gonna labor over this stuff, it is labor hours go into it uh, money gets spent um in order to create it um, or to pay gas for you know a band to to uh, <laughs> to travel to play their concerts and stuff and um you know to expect that. Well, that's just goof-off. That's just vacation. You <laughs> right. shouldn't be paid for that. Well, I mean, but that's the model. I mean, it sounds absurd to say no. it out loud in words, but that is literally what Spotify that, that, is that, saying. That's exactly that's You do exactly not deserve...
0: It. Yeah. yeah. That, that,
2: that was a, that was a or black You deserve, cup. you know, you deserve $20 at the end of your... Career,
0: right. you know that was a <laughs> uh, that was a darkly comedic laugh because it was it's not really funny in any way shape or form because it yeah. is the exact model and it's, oh it's okay
2: you can laugh. you can laugh. <laughs> it was meant to be funny.
0: yeah it's it's, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's it's crazy to me that they that that managed to be a thing that just sort of like happened and w- without anybody really planning or giving permission <laughs> for it just like oh no it's just no somebody
2: did plan it Somebody did plan it, and it you know was what? the originators what? of Spotify. Yep. But they, and, and it is that tech takeover that did happen in our old city. Um, and it has to do... It's a surveillance model, a surveillance-based model, model, where it used to be that I make a song, and my idea is that I'm going to sell that song to people who want to hear it, and then I'm going to make money. The model of Spotify has nothing to do with that. The model is we are going to sell listeners to advertisers. Yep. That's what they do. Sell listeners to advertisers. That's how they make their money is that, is that the advertisers will pay more and more money depending how much Spotify is used. And at the point right now, at this point it's King, you know, um, or, you know, YouTube might be the other one, which is Google owned or whatever. But, um, you know, obviously zillions of people are using it all the time and so <laughs> um, the advertisers know this is the perfect platform. And it's not only it's not only that it's used a lot and so a lot of random people will hear this ad, it's Surveillance-based, So yeah. it's tracking people's moods. It's tracking mm-hmm. people's interests and the style. So, so ads are, you know, like, like on all internet stuff, um, is, is tailored for the specific user, um, you know, in some creepy way based on, you know, their habits. And like, you know, you notice if they have like cycles of depression or whatever, then, then, they'll, then they'll be more susceptible at this time, you know, um and so they they really barrage you with ads at that time, um to try this is like artificial intelligence is doing this stuff automatically. Um it's been designed to do so to maximize and 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 it's been very it's successful. You'll notice I don't know about Spotify, but I mean obviously the tech well, companies that took over in San Francisco and yeah. Silicon Valley are, you know, multi hundreds of billions of companies, you know. There's dollars this, uh, uh, of uh, income
0: th- th- and there, um, there's a saying that if you aren't paying for the product you are the product <laughs> and i think that's very well, exactly. true and even exactly. you know spotify yeah, even, you got some people it. paying and being the product too <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's so
2: they get both of it yeah it's a double whammy and it's reversal, no
0: sponsored one. by spotify <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah no
0: they know what they're doing yeah and it's, well, mm-hmm. but it's insidious. We just don't know what they're doing. Right, exactly. They certainly do. Uh, it,
2: yeah. And it's... Because it's got cute fonts, and it's got a cute interface, and it's made to this. So does Google. It's in Apple, it's all made to seem like, ooh, you know, fun, the future, you yeah, know? Yeah. Like, uh, uh, um, how playful and... Um, and uh, you know google's thing used to be don't be evil that was their yep, motto was you know motto. which is kind of such a <laughs> ludicrous <laughs> thing to consider now you know yeah. um um anyway well Why but, are we take, talking but about
0: all that? but take that model versus and i'm just going to yeah. i'm going to throw a Greg at you and and kind of put some hope, <laughs> hope into it in and like <laughs> think think of uh, a company like bandcamp that actually is very artist friendly and yeah, totally. a- allows th- uh, the the company to do its thing and grow and expand, but also provides an uh, <laughs> an avenue of discovery for people, as well as providing <laughs> yeah. actual compensation. Uh, yeah, totally. I like
2: it. You know, I like th- Bandcamp a lot.
0: I, 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 it's not nearly as popular, of course, but
2: <laughs> you know <laughs> no, no, I mean. No, no, like, like, it's, it's still a thing. That's the thing. It doesn't have to be. You yeah. can That's what I'm saying. It's like, who cares? We don't have to treat everything like a horse race. Um, and that right. what your your life's work is worthless unless it made it onto the radar of uh, you know I mean that that's the kind of thing like when you when you meet your grandparents or your uncle you know once every few years and they ask how your music career is going it's like oh, well Lord. are you going to get famous are you on American Idol you know this kind of stuff yeah. it's like no 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean uh, that is not the definition of Satisfaction, you know, but it's hard um, to
0: describe to people. Where you just say, "No, the destination <laughs> is the journey," and then they just think, uh oh, he's high," you know, or <laughs> something along those lines. Like,
2: "Oh, no, yeah, right, I mean right. it. That's, I actually believe that." <laughs> I mean, I think that I think that it could also be somewhere in between. You can have it's not just the journey. I mean, we can distinguish between. Um, a musician that 's utterly failing and suffering and um, <laughs> simply has no support and you know gets into an incredibly depressing situation where no one you know they 're just lost in a sea of competitors and and um <laughs> and just you know feels like they can 't find a way to um have anyone hear their music um and uh, you can distinguish between that and someone who, and I would say that Deerhoof kind of, I, I feel like somehow magically we've managed to find a kind of sweet spot where we do have a career that is not at all mainstream, and it's not known to the mainstream. Um, and yet, in our own um, world, um I feel like a great success um sure. and I I feel like a, a an ever expanding circle of friends all around the world who share um a lot of interests and just share the friendship itself um and that we bond over <laughs> you know <laughs> over music I mean so, um
0: and and that's that's more like what I was going for with the journey being the destination yeah. about things cuz something that okay, I noticed yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm not sure and you mm-hmm. To her far more than I do, but uh, I've even noticed mm. that there's there's people that like maybe as a younger man where I was a little mm-hmm. little more judgmental and a little little meaner perhaps <laughs> there were, there were bands that I, <laughs> yeah. I would necess- you know wouldn't give the the time of day or or maybe like wouldn't <laughs> but, be super kind to that now and it's like oh you're still doing it cool me too and like right you, on you, I know you find this commonality that's like oh wow <laughs> it just feels different now because. That's just awesome. Yeah. That anybody does anything at all, but to like be sticking with it and like, oh, you're, you've accomplished these things and you've done this stuff. That's so rad. Oh, that's so. I'm so glad for you.
2: <laughs> I mean, if nothing else, if a person is simply still doing music, it's already um I consider a major victory He's because win. that is the kind of thing that um, um, is very easily drummed out of a person or or um. Yeah, I don't know. Because it uh, is, it's easy
0: to think that, you know, no one's listening, nobody cares, this doesn't matter. Because <laughs> a lot of the world is set up to, you know, kind of subtly imply that.
2: Exactly. And sometimes not so subtly. I mean, it's like if you, I mean, take today. I mean, today it's like, if you're in the UK, it's like turns out Boris Johnson um, is found to have committed a crime. If you're in the US, it turns out Trumps can get impeached. I mean, there's, it's 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 not even subtle.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's
2: such a blaring, blaring. You know. You blaring, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's like um, you know, or or the the, the level of doom um, that um, some communities are constantly being threatened by. Um, and in some cases, that community appears to be all life on Earth, you know, is being right. <laughs> <laughs> threatened by, you know, some kind of imminent disaster. And, and um, you know, you're kind of like, well, <laughs> I'm still going to write this song. But, yeah, you do. I mean, everybody I know, of course, uh, is struggling with, is there a point, you know? Yeah. And, um <laughs> and sometimes doing music is the act of asking that question um the the result of the music is the is you attempting to ask that question of yourself and you find out what you come up with and that's uh um i think i think that you hear that in a lot of music now um um that it seems to address that that ambivalence about music itself like it, it the music right. seems partly to contain the feeling of why do music you know what is it what does yeah, it mean that's that's
0: <laughs> I, I think you're right i think you're onto something there that's actually uh yeah. very astute that's a, like, yeah. a, like a subtle <laughs> undercurrent that you know maybe you know yeah. we used to assign to like you know, indie movies or something along those lines where it's like, Oh, it's Mm -hmm, funny, but it's kind of sad a little bit too. And like, I don't know. I just really like it. And then now it's like, Oh, that's everything now. (laughs) Now, now That's literally everything.
2: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Huh.
0: Well, yeah. You know that I think that that's hitting on something. So what do you, do you feel like, and as you know, you guys tour a lot, you get to see a lot of different communities, a lot of different places like all all around. Do you you feel it's something that you see everywhere?
2: Um,
0: I mean, as much as you can see when you're, you I'm know, not an expert. No, <laughs> I,
2: I, I don't think it's a thing. I think, I don't think it's a thing. I think that it's um, constantly <laughs> being rewritten. Um, uh, there's no one's ever hit the target, you know, it's like, um, <laughs> the experiences that a person has listening to a song or being at a show is itself um you know in that moment um uh what you can do <laughs> to to validate the existence of music you know at that moment um and uh, i'm always just kind of Moved that that um, such a thing continues to be done, and L.A. right now is not exactly a um, mecca for for underground spaces, you know. Um, yeah. But, but there are a few, and uh, I really like going, and, and it's always an amazing feeling when you're there. Like, wow, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> all of the stated reasons why a person would do a thing in, in 2019, <laughs> you know, are absent <laughs> right, right. right here tonight. And, and it's like so cool to just see people still like
0: just do it for the sake of doing fun it and get and, and, and get yeah, yeah. out of it. And I you mean, just
2: don't know why. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> Lord knows I don't sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah. <Most> <laughs> <times>. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So I, I do want to, uh, we, as as great as the, you know, armchair philosopher stuff is, and, you know, I guess you can find our work uh, at Google, you know, they'll they'll be taking this philosophy and monetizing it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: As far as Deerhoof history, we only really got up to the fact, we just got to the fact that we're like, we're Rob left we didn't even get to the fact with John joining up, <laughs> which is like ancient history yeah. for you guys. So like, that, that right. was a big transitionary period. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Rob leaving, which, you know, you started you know, started the band okay. with and right. there was like a bit of a okay, what now sort of aspect before... Uh, and then John was playing in... Uh-huh. I think he was playing in Gorge Trier at the time, if I remember correctly, right? Or, or is...
2: Yeah, Gorge Trier and Colossomite. Colossomite, that's really and, of course, yeah. With yeah. The, um, with and the, the funny thing guy. is that the other guitar player from, from each G- of those bands, a guy called Ed Rodriguez, ended up it joining our band again <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah. Another 10 years later, so... Um, yeah. It's so high kind Mike of Sakes. like there, there's actually just a, a uh Might, a gorge trio kind of um spin off.
0: <laughs> maybe maybe no, another ten years I mean, Nick Six can make a guest appearance. No,
2: but, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's like I, I feel nothing but uh but just like so lucky that that um uh, that um <laughs> that to to have the most easygoing <laughs> bandmates uh you know uh, imaginable that we're willing to endure, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, the a kind of mania that exists, you know, in dirhof about maybe trying to, I don't know, we're just, just a <laughs> mania about our music, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, to join in and to, to be patient with that. and, and um, and to, I mean, it, it's it's not unique to Deerhoof. I mean, any band that stays together, or any relationship really that stays together for a long time, <laughs> is going to go through conflicts. And um, sure, of course. you know, you 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 really find out what the people are made of when you find out how they deal with the conflict. You know, it's like everything is fine until you have the conflict, and then you find out if you do or don't have. The tools to work it out and a lot of times you're (laughs) you know making it up as you go along and and um and uh it's like rock bands yeah go ahead
0: oh is this and, and people bring in different things like you got that's that's about when you guys started getting a little less almost a little less improv sounding a little more almost elect- like electronic influences were put in but they were put through yeah. the Deerhoof hoof meat grinder so it didn't sound like you are <laughs> suddenly getting a DJ or something but like it, right. it changed a little bit but it still sounded very much like you guys
2: yeah, yeah well but I mean it also sounded like John that's why and, and so John he, brought he what he brought completely to him, I yeah I mean he did, we, we didn't know each other's music he was just somebody I met quite randomly and, and uh I was like, oh, I need a guitar player. I mean, it was as, uh, it was as random as the way Satomi joined. Uh, we didn't have a lot in common. We, we, we didn't listen to the same music. We didn't, <laughs> right. there was no ad. There was no, no like, you know, <laughs> you know, in the same scene or anything or, um, it's just kind of like, oh, you play guitar. Um, why don't you come play? And then it's just, <laughs> you know, that's where it is. I mean, they'd still at that point, like, you know, uh, well, let's just play, you know. And uh, um, we never sat down. And I guess that's kind of what I wanted to say. I mean, rock bands are unlike, you know, getting hired at a company or something where you sit down with a contract and you say, here's the business plan and here's what we're trying to do and here's your role in it. We didn't know what anybody's role. We were just making yeah. it up as you go along. Uh, sure, and, yeah. uh, and it's just incredible to me that all these years later and each person <laughs> yeah. Their personal lives are changing. They are changing into different people. I mean like I'm not I I'm not in my early twenties anymore. I'm I'm a different person. Right. Um and yet <laughs> the these same people with the same name, you know, having changed into other people still for some reason has chemistry together, which is kind of, I don't know, it's, it's kind of amazing. staggering to think yeah. of it really. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, what are the chances? I don't know. It's just like, uh, but I do think that the music itself is one of the reasons like it, the music has taught us just as much as we've told the music what to do. I think the music has told us <laughs> how to be, you know, and it's like, I just got home from tour, and I—it always happens when I get home from tour. Like the first day or two, I feel kind of depressed because I'm like, well, "Where's the show?" You know, yeah. <laughs> and my body's so ready to like start bashing on the drums, and yep. and like my mouth is so ready to smile, and I'm 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 ready to have this really kind of. In a way, intimate bond with these close friends of mine yep. that that uh, we you know we have over and over again every night on tour for year after year, and uh, suddenly it's not there, and and um, you know it' that's just one illustration of of like how much the music um, actually forms the. You know, is a part of the person. It's not just a, th- a cool thing that the person does. I mean, you know, to go back to my, uh, <laughs> you know, perhaps idiotic, um, but passionate uh, love of the Rolling Stones. Uh, it's not idiotic. You know, to think about how many <laughs> how many decades they've been going. Yeah. And to to think um, that something takes over when they play, and they might they may or may not be capable of being friends with each other. On any other level, but when they get on stage and they start playing those songs, it's incredible how... I mean, for instance, you know, Mick Jagger, I mean, how youthful he's, his body suddenly becomes, you know? Right,
0: it's almost a physical um,
2: change. It's a physical change brought on by, you know, Chuck Berry-inspired and blues-inspired and et cetera. Um, and also just their own... Some of it their own original creation, but... but uh, um something that their body has been doing and something that this music has been teaching them to do all these years that they didn't even necessarily know, you know, they couldn't foresee. They thought just like Deerhoof did, just like every band, well, we'll probably stay together for a year or two, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and here it is like, you know, 55 years or something. It is in the 300 future.
0: years later and the Stones are still yeah. at it, you know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, it turns out that the, you know, the, the seeds they planted turned into trees and and uh, it it became a thing that you know i mean they might not necessarily be the healthiest example of a of a role model of a band but in a way you know you have to admit um that on some level the music was maybe the least destructive aspect oh, of sure. their lifestyles and that may have been what saved them as human beings, um, was the the physical demands of of actually playing the music was so, so, first of all, required exercise, and second of all, so rejuvenating emotionally and spiritually um, in a way for them to connect to each other, even as they were hating each other as people or backstabbing each other as people, but on a musical level, the connect. And so there's that, um, yeah, I don't know. It serves a real life purpose and, um, it's kind of, you kind of don't know, (laughs) <laughs> what it's going to turn out to be When you first try it You just try it You know
1: Right and that's and then, how it
2: was with John That's how it was with Ed When they joined We were just like Well let's just try it You know <laughs> We didn't know What was going to happen You know It's not like we're It's not like Satomi and I Sat there and like Well let's see if we can find Somebody who's more Into electronic music I mean we had no idea <laughs> exactly. Into any of that and it, and I, it, I, it, I remember it at it, that at like,
0: that time there was, there was no such calculation yeah. I definitely remember that <laughs> Yeah
2: <laughs> Exactly No it was just like, uh, I don't know. Well, John,
0: um, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and, and the, 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 you mentioned that, the, you know, being, after having this deep connection with your bandmates and playing shows mm-hmm. all over and you have this, the absence of it when you come back. <laughs> I, I always call that post tourum depression. And uh, I, that, yeah, that, that's, right. th- that's something I've talked to a lot. <laughs> <with
2: people. laughs> yeah, the, the Latin name. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh-huh. but
0: no, anyway, please, please continue. That's a, <laughs> Did't didn't mean to interrupt there.
2: <clears throat> no, no, no. I, what was I going to say? John, um, so what John, brought John in. started to do this thing where he John, John started to do a thing where he really um, gets a lot out of joining pickup soccer games uh, wherever um, <laughs> wherever we are, and uh, the band was all out here. We all live in different cities, but they were all out here staying in my house in July. Um, before this last tour started, and um, he went to a couple of pickup uh, soccer games, and and uh, got cleated on one of them, Ooh. and and it busted his foot. Somebody stomped on him, so his his foot's all messed up. <laughs> Man, I don't know that's that's
0: that's that's a very sad short film. <laughs>
2: yeah, but it's kind of funny too. I'd really hurt a lot. Actually, it was getting better when when we started this tour he was like i think it's healed you know i think it's fine and then we played one show uh-huh. <laughs> and just the way he i mean it's kind of what we're talking about There's this is the this weird physical thing yeah. that takes over that you're yep. not entirely conscious of yep. and he's sort of pacing a lot and his body tenses or relaxes in in unusual ways that are different than the way he's just you know, living his normal daily routine. Um, And suddenly, you know, all these different muscles are getting used. Um, And then the second the show was over, it was like like he couldn't even stand up, let alone walk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, he was having to ice it all the time. And, you know, well, that's how it goes But. Those uh, athletes, you, know. <laughs> you
0: get that weird like things things that you can do while you're playing only, and then afterwards, like, oh my god, what what? what?
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like you're impervious to pain. Yeah. I mean, I really find that a lot. That um, uh, the second the show is over, maybe not the second, but about fifteen minutes afterwards, I'll suddenly realize that I had hurt myself during the show. You know, yeah. But um, the adrenaline or, or something, or just the joy of it, um, makes makes it you just kind of can't tell while it's happening, you know? Um, you don't feel it. You don't feel it in the same way. I wonder if
0: anybody, and I wonder if right. anyone's ever did a study on that. Probably not, but I, I mean, <laughs> what, what would you do? Attach electrodes to people while they're playing a show? I mean, that I, seems like it'd be pretty <sighs> difficult to,
1: to do. Yeah, deal, right.
2: To figure out, yeah, to, about the, um, um, being not susceptible to pain, or to 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 have a higher pain threshold, or something.
0: It it is interesting um, though, because I've, I've, I've talked to people on the show about that. How about you? Know, you flick a switch, and then you're just it's kind of mm. you're you're still you, but you're you in a different place. <laughs> and then like the switch gets flicked off, and then you're oh, back at it. I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 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 a dude who's not 22 years old anymore, and that hurts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and at the same time, I think that there's a possibility. I like to operate with the <laughs> theory that there's a possibility that the music has something to do can with it. inform it can form inform the rest of life if you want it to, if you want to let it. And that even if you're not like literally on stage, you know, banging on the drums or whatever <laughs> um <laughs> I mean I think people do it all the time just by listening to music, you know, you know, you listen to some music as you want to be in a certain mood or you want to like motivate yourself or you want to relax or you 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 know need to like um you know clean the kitchen or something or or um um give yourself courage or you know the different different ways that you could use music in your normal life in your daily life um that that it can inspire you, and and I like the idea that whatever character you become on stage, you can find a way to let that character exist off stage somewhat too. Um, uh, that, that, totally. that maybe that character has something to teach <laughs> the other yous, you know, that might exist. Um, and it, I mean. You're right about how deer have started very much as an improvisation thing, and I think that, for that's that's an example. You know, being ready to improvise, um, you know, is is like a a mindset that is totally useful all the time. Wait, hang on a second. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh yes, I do. Do you want it? Okay. Yeah. Hang on, just a second. Um, how long we've we been going here, Conan? Uh, the the uh, thing is, uh, my roommate needs my mic stand, or he oh. needs his mic stand that I borrowed.
0: <laughs> we, we, can, we, can, we can definitely we can wrap it up. I mean, okay, I don't, we we could, sure. you know, as far as I'm concerned, we could do I could do this for a couple for a couple more hours. But uh, yeah, yeah, I want, I want to <laughs> cool, respect all yes, of your time. So nice to chat. Thanks. It's
2: it's, and it's to been, reconnect.
0: This is very very very, very long overdue. I I don't know why it's taking me <laughs>
2: yeah so long to have you on, but well, thank you so much for. For uh, inviting me This
0: is great Yeah uh, Um, I mean And 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 We'll we'll, we'll not make it the last time too So we can We can pick up where we left off At some point And and, uh, right, cool And get back at it Um, I guess Just You know Not that I want you to try to like Hey you know Sum up this In you know X amount of seconds Or whatever But (laughs) We've talked about About And with different (laughs) guests About The sort of Mm. Necessary politicization Of uh, the mm-hmm. times about how there's no sidelines anymore, really, and you know, Deerhuff always how
2: there's no what
0: th- you can't be on the sidelines
2: anymore. Oh, right, yes, and
0: right, right. you know, Deerhuff always had a had a stance. You know, there was right. uh, like when the Iraq War was going on, you were very very vocal about that. As yeah, you remember, yeah. do, of course. hmm And that has and not I'm abated,
2: this,
0: In these yeah. times, right, right, and. Not a lot of bands are willing to do that, especially bands that have, you know, whether it be a, lar- you know, a big career or not, you know, it, it's, it's, it's considered risky for whatever reason. So I guess if you have any final thoughts specifically about that.
2: In our case, I would say that a lot of things that might normally be considered risky in a in career moves um have for some reason (laughs) the exact opposite ended up being good um for us like i think it's i think it's been helpful for us to um to uh take a stand on things i think it's been helpful for us to not settle on one style um but to constantly um you know to slowly have built up an audience that uh, likes to be surprised by what we do next and right. so that i think that that sort of like weird opposite model has worked for us for some reason and i'm really happy about it <laughs> Now I got to give this mic this mic stand to my roommate. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs>
0: no it's so great to talk to you, man. We'll uh, we'll, we'll do yeah, it again sometime. Yeah, thanks so
2: much, Conan. Let me know uh, let me know when it goes up or whatever. It'll be fun to listen back and see what in the world we are talking
0: about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Keep in touch. No problem, brother. Yeah. Talk to you later.
2: Thank you so much. All right, bye bye.
0: That is Gore and Rut by Deerhoof um, off of The Man, the King, the Girl. That's uh, that's an early song of theirs. They still play it live, though. And I, forgot, I totally forgot to say to Greg that I literally sing that song every time I see these uh, rabbits that are at large in the backyard <laughs> over, over our place. It's hard not to see one of those rabbits and just not go, Bonnie, 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 Bonnie. At least for me, it isn't. Maybe it is for you. Your mileage may vary. Uh. In any case, uh, so if you were looking for Deerhoof, they are all over social media. You can find them. There's a deerhoof.net. They're on uh, Facebook. uh, Instagram, I think. Uh, All the things. All the normal things that you would think of. Go find them. Uh, They're great. Real deal. Love the music. Love the people. All respect. Really shouldn't have taken me five years to have Greg on. <laughs> so we'll do We'll make sure it's uh, sooner next time. <sighs> yeah. A lot we didn't cover. Well what we did cover. I feel really good about it. You've been listening to Protonic Reversal. We thank you for that. Is this thing on? The show airs Thursdays 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, 5 p.m. Pacific. It airs on a little station called Radio Nope. Maybe you've heard of it. Archives, redo You can find his podcast, Purveyors.
1: If
0: you like the show, please subscribe.
2: Signing off, Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea.
0: Uprated, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Anyone within the sound of my voice. All that stuff helps people find the show. May seem pointless, probably is. Might not be too, so if you don't mind, thank you.
2: I've got 50,000 watts of
0: power. Let's uh, see, anything else? There's a bunch of cool oh, stuff coming up. I don't have the camera right in front of me, though. Here. Thanks for listening. Thanks to all the new listeners. Thanks to the old listeners.
2: Sound into electricity. As always. Can you hear me now?
0: Catch you later. Out on Route
2: 128, dark and lonely.
1: I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? One goes out to a special day.
2: Radio. can you hear Not just any tea, blueberry tea obtained from an Italian gas station um, on the border with Alps in the distance. Wow. And uh, I got a box that included a variety of different fruit-flavored black teas, and I stood in a long line. It was worth it to me to to be able to bring this home. Those, and those uh, are, every few days, I, yeah.
0: Those are details worthy of a Tom Waits song. That's wonderful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I, I did, That's I what I'm all about. Details. Yeah,
1: yeah. I know you're you're detail oriented.